Instagram live. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, welcome back, everybody. Um, as usual, this is the weekly boog, and we're 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 out here booging. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. All right. Well, today, unfortunately, we um have attempted to find some some guest speakers. However, no one was super interested in being on our show. So, I guess sometimes it'd be like that. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that such a prestigious podcast is having such a hard time drawing not only high view numbers, but also high audience participation. Well, if you remember our podcast from last week about podcasting pro tips you should know that we're doing all the right things to be a very successful podcast but sometimes patience is key that's true um and although we're not having the best commercial success right now not a ton of listeners we have been getting some good responses from from our previous podcasts um including we actually sent out a poll this week for a question we'll be discussing today and we did get some really good answers back so we'll be discussing that we might as well start off with that the question this week was uh well everyone knows when you get a kfc meal you don't just eat the cookie no one no one likes kfc cookies so we asked uh an assortment of people what they do with their KFC cookies. And I think this segment could be beneficial for us educationally. We, we could all get a little insight. But also, it's just, uh, this is some sort of a, like, I feel like if I was in high school, I could use this for my science fair project. Do you think? Absolutely. So, um, you want to you wanna yeah. read our first response? So, our overwhelming, like, almost unanimous answer was simply throw the cookie away which kind of surprised me because it's a really good cookie it's basically free with the rest of your meal it just seems like kind of ungrateful to throw away the kfc cookie but that's clocking in at around 78 percent of our uh, respondents <clears throat> told us that they simply throw the cookie away which is sad so I would just like to make a quick call for justice for the KFC cookie. We need people to start, if not eating these cookies, at least being putting them into good use. Which we did receive some answers of people using their cookies for for good causes. Like uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite personal favorites was um, a certain anonymous uh, responder says that every time he gets a cookie, he puts it in his fridge with a whole stash of cookies from KFC. He's got a whole drawer full of them in the fridge. And I don't know why necessarily he refrigerates the cookie, because I don't. I think it is somewhat of a, a non-perishable food item. But, well, I, I guess in the long run, maybe those will end up just being thrown away later. But Yeah, but you just leave tomorrow's problems to tomorrow's you by loading the fridge. That's true. And another interesting is response. That, is, oh. is that a One Punch Man quote you just pulled out? Absolutely. That is words of wisdom from, uh, what's One Punch Man's name? Uh, 
One Punch Man guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll leave uh, tomorrow's problems to tomorrow's me. Yeah. And uh, another very interesting response that we received, which is probably my personal favorite, is that they donate the cookie to the poor person that couldn't afford to buy their own meal. Like, when you go to KFC with the boys or with your family or whoever, there's always a person that just, like, straight out refuses to purchase anything and then they just sit there at the table and look annoyed while you enjoy that buttery goodness so if you give them the kfc cookie it's just enough to distract them so you can enjoy your meal in peace that's beautifully said well um maybe we'll continue this segment uh next time on our show so if you have any of your own ways that you um eat or well you use your kfc cookie Feel free to send it in, and we can discuss it next week. So send it to abetolis at gmail.com. I'll be expecting responses, so please get on that. Um, so on to the next topic we are going to discuss today. Um, a couple more things, and this one is a, a somewhat of a pressing matter. It's, it's, a, it's a highly political question. It's been d- debated over for a while. It is like... It's kind of right in the forefront of, uh, you know, it's it's something that people don't typically talk about because it, it's a little bit uh, questionable. It's a hot button topic for sure. For sure. Um, so we'll be we'll make sure to be sensitive as we talk about this. But um, the question is, is it okay to pee in a pool? Yeah. So this question, we understand, is very touchy for a few of you because many of our listeners had voiced their opinion you could say that peeing in the pool is absolutely not okay there are no conditions in which you may pee in a pool or any artificial body of water whereas we've had other responses from other listeners that have noted that really there's no big deal so let's let's back up a little bit this this question really started you know being on my mind uh, a couple years back when well, me at the at the age of maybe maybe 13, 14, uh, I was uh, at a pool party, you know, for a young men's activity, and I peed in the hot tub. And the owner of the hot tub, he uh, threw it away and bought a new one. <laughs> so, obviously, there was a little bit of... I don't know. I, I so it was an innocent act, but it did come across a little bit, uh, you know. So it got me thinking: What's the big deal if you pee in the pool or the hot tub? And the uh, the response I got from from this guy who threw away the hot tub is: If it's big enough to ski in, it's big enough to pee in. So like, if it's big enough to water ski in. That it's big enough to water pee in. <laughs> and this seems like a valid, like a good rule of thumb because, well, quite frankly, it kind of eliminates the touchy subject of is it okay to pee in the pool by saying, well, maybe in a very big pool, but it would have to be awfully large to water ski. Oh, I don't even think you could ski in the canvas pool effectively. <laughs> Probably not. Well, I'd like to see it done though. But also, that. 
that also takes into account the size of the person peeing. Because let's say there was a person who was only five inches tall. He could easily ski in a pool. Absolutely. So he could pee in a pool. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I mean, it kind of got me thinking, though. Is there actually any merit to that rule of thumb? <laughs> if it's big enough to ski in, it's big enough to pee in. Because, I mean, I haven't seen any math done to this day about what exactly the ideal size of swimming pool is to permit peeing in without massive consequences. So, what did you find out? So, we're, we've decided to run some calcs right now. We haven't actually done them yet, but <clears throat> basically, to know how big of a pool we need to effectively pee in without any problems, we need to know basically two things. How big is the pool and how much does the average person pee? And a quick Google search found out that the volume of an average pee is between 250 and 400 milliliters. So if we take that number, and let's go a little bit conservative with the 400 milliliter. Let's assume that this guy that's peeing in the pool really had to go with a massive 400 milliliter pee. And then we have to know how big is the average swimming pool? And how big would you say an average swimming pool is? Mm, well, I would say maybe, maybe like 20 by 35 feet, maybe? Yeah, makes sense. Uh, another quick Google search says that like most rectangular pools like that you'd find in someone's backyard, you know, the kind that are highly prone to being peed in, um, typically have an average depth of around 5.5 feet. So that would mean like they'd start at like three feet and drop off to like six or seven feet. And then the dimensions are usually about twice as long as they are wide. So it would be like a 10 by 20 or a 15 by 30. So let's assume it's like a fairly small pool, like a 15 by 30 pool. And there's a guy that's dropping 400 milliliters of pee into this pool. So it might cause it to overflow, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> so the problem with this calc that we're running right now is we've got milliliters and we've got feet. So let's just do some quick approximations. A 15 by 30 foot pool. That would be like a three yard by ten yard pool. A five yard Around by there. ten yard. A five yard, five by, yard ten by ten yard pool. pool. Yeah. And then how deep? Like two yards deep? Yeah. yeah. Go okay. with that. So those are our yards and we'll just call those meters. <laughs> same thing, easy. same thing, yeah. Yeah. So we've got a five meter by ten meter by two meter pool. So that would be a hundred cubic meters of water. And then if we multiply that, wait, okay. So we have a hundred cubic meters of water and we have 400 milliliters of pee. 400 milliliters is the same as 400 cubic centimeters. So how many cubic centimeters are in a cubic meter? It would be uh, like a lot. <laughs> It'd be a lot of pee. Well, let's think about this. So, of course, 
like you could calculate this out and find exactly how much how much pee in the pool and I, th- I really think the only thing we could really benefit from taking the math out of this is probably just realizing that you probably just shouldn't drink the swimming pool water which I know that could come as a hard news to some of you out there but but it's not vital information if you really take into account every variable that goes into this Imagine you're actually at a pool party. How many kids would be at the pool party? Maybe 15? Let's say 15 kids in the pool. And each one of them drops 400 milliliters. And then one of them goes twice. That, that's a lot of pee. But. I. Chlorine. There's chlorine. <laughs> I mean, why would they put chlorine in pools if it wasn't an effective pee killer? So. And. Uh, let's, let's say you take the, that back. I don't see an occasion when peeing the pool would be a bad idea. I mean, it's really just so much easier. If you're in, like, the middle of a chicken fight, you can just, like... (laughs) (laughs) Well, and let me me go back to the the first scenario with the hot tub. Of course, in a hot tub, you're in a pretty close proximity, usually a couple people in there. Um, I don't, don't know many people who hot tub alone, but, um, you're in the hot tub, and, and what's the harm, you know? There's, it's hot, it's hot water, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it, it, the hot, the heat will probably kill all the pee, you know? But, I mean, it seems logical, and also, like, you know, people do all kinds of other crazy stuff in the pool and no one bats an eye. You have a pool noodle, you're blowing water and spit everywhere, you're sweating, and no one bats an eye, but just one drop of pee and everyone loses their minds. I think my personal conclusion for for this topic, my, my final say, is if it's big enough to be in, it's big big enough enough to pee in. And it... Yeah, what do you think? I mean... I, I'd have to run the calc to see for sure, but it definitely makes a whole lot more sense than if it's big enough to ski in, because clearly you can get away with a much smaller body of water than like a reservoir or something. You can you can pee in whatever you want, no problem, but I, I mean, would have to make sure before I, definitively stating and that this it's, is, it's big just, enough to Just pointing this out, it is specifically restricted to, um, to swimming pools and hot tubs, though, this rule, like... If you're in the bathtub, that's not chlorinated, and I would not pee in the bathtub. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that is big enough to be in. That is big enough to be in. So if you have a chlorinated bathtub, then I would say go ahead and pee in it. Absolutely. Now, I don't want don't to get any kids the wrong idea, though. It's never okay to poop in the pool. Are we clear? Kids, you listen up? Hey, parents, turn up the volume... On this podcast real quick. I gotta say something to those kids in the back seat. Do not poop in the pool, kids. So, any other any other comments on this, this portion? Uh, I would just like to advise the public and invite the canvas pool to strongly consider lifting my van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, good luck with that. Um, I'll send them the link to the podcast. Um, <laughs> so, our next, our next item of business, I know we've, we've talked about some kind of, kind of touchy subjects today, but 
it's we're not lining up. I know this is kind of a heavy episode. Um and this actually considering current events, I think I think we can uh we can all learn a little bit uh anyway. What sports should get more airtime on TV? Cuz right now there's not many sports playing on TV, so there's plenty of airtime on ESPN, right? Um no major sports but there are plenty of sports that live in the low in the shadows you know and this is their time that they could be getting that extra attention like i just think this is an excellent opportunity for like those underground sporting leagues and associations to really come to the mainstream i'd like to see some more indie sporting events going on i i agree in full and I've been I've been thinking about a couple of these the past couple of days and actually one time I would like to say every once in a while you know how you're flicking through on ESPN or some other sport sport uh, channel and you come across something like the spelling bee which I would say I fully encourage the spelling bee on TV and also like the world poker tournament I, the world poker tournament yeah that's a I would say so but this one stuck out to me specifically the other day I turned on the TV and I saw a cornhole which is a it's a classic country game, man. Yeah. And that is one that really has been lost through it just not getting enough of it's it's finding its way out of American culture. I I'd say it's kind of pathetic honestly that a professional cornholer has to go overseas in order to feed his family. We need American cornholers to be the highest paid athletes on the planet. Well, I don't know if I say highest paid because, you know, like the CBL deserves a little bit of money there. Was it SCBL or PBL? PBL, the professional bowling league. Yeah. Um, because obviously they should be getting um, paid probably higher than cornholers. I don't know. That's where we'll just have to disagree because cornhole obviously takes an incredible amount of skill. And, you know, I've just never seen a cool bowler before, I'll be honest. Oh, like, yeah? They wear the cool bowling shirts and whatnot, but, like, they're just bland people. Cornholers, on the other hand. I can't believe you. Well, you're right. We will have to disagree on this one, because cornhole is important. It's a cultural game. But bowling is a classic there's even a place called Classic Bowling. There's a bowling alley called that. Yeah, but they got turned into apartments, bro. Well, that's beside the point, man. Well, have you ever seen a, a cornhole arena? That's what I'm saying. We need cornhole arenas. All right. Well, I, as important as both of these games are, I think a highly overlooked sport, which... um. I don't think I've ever actually seen this on, on television. Would be uh, Japanese bug fighting. Okay. I I can get behind Japanese bug fighting. There are a lot of questions about the ethicality of what is which Japanese bug fighting. That, that is exactly what I was hoping that we could talk about. But today. perhaps we should begin with a quick rundown about what exactly is Japanese bug fighting. And so I know many of you are probably thinking, like, is this some MXC type show or is this? Is this like a, you know, like a Japanese sitcom? No, no, no. This is high-intensity bug versus bug cage fighting. Small enclosure, 
commentator, everything. And they get in that ring, and these bugs fight to the death. It is no no sport to be taken lightly. Like, I think really the closest parallel we can draw between Japanese bug fighting and something really common in our culture is real steel. Because real steel really just like you feel the pain that those robots feel when they go into the ring and get pounded to a pulp but like I guess that's where it's different because I cry when I watch real steel but like I get hyped to watch some Japanese bug fights that's true so obviously bug fighting is pretty like it's not it's not suitable for channels kids would be watching that's for sure like I would say if there was a PG-13 version of ESPN, like, is it is there one of those? I would hope so. Well, if we have some kind of PG-13 or maybe even, like, you know, TVMA kind of kind of channel for, for ESPN or, uh, like, Fox Sports or whatever, maybe Fox Sports would be more suitable for this event, you know? Just a little bit less watched. Yeah. But, either way... It should be a regular, regularly uh, attended and watched on TV. Uh, maybe you listen to on the radio, a sporting event. It absolutely should be like on the bucket list of every child growing up to attend a praying mantis versus centipede in the finals and, match. And that is, this is where it gets a little bit pressing, right? Because we all. I've heralded the mantis as one of the strongest bugs for a long time. I, I know we say that. Like, Kung Fu Panda has, in a way, falsely idolized the praying mantis, you know? And putting a praying mantis in the in the Furious Five. Furious Five? Is that what? Or yeah. with, with a tiger and a snake, which, of course, it could definitely hold its ground. But compared to the other bugs out there, it... Well, uh, from my watching of Japanese bug fighting, I've come to find that... Usually the praying mantis kind of comes in second, <laughs> and uh, and no disrespect because I'm a huge fan of the the Kung Fu Panda franchise, and I know, I know they're just trying to you know, but they definitely didn't do their research before they made the show. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, a dung beetle will absolutely obliterate a praying mantis any day of the week. So it's kind of peculiar that well the franchise would choose to go in that direction and select a praying mantis as one of the yeah. most vicious kung fu artists of our time. Yeah, as well. Um, well, I guess I shouldn't spoil anything because there's plenty of bug fighting for you to watch out on YouTube right now. Just just search that up on Google, find some Japanese bug fighting. But but not to spoil anything, but it's usually the you know. Like the spiders and the, and the, well, some of them aren't insects necessarily. Out of insects, I get I guess praying mantis do go pretty far in the insect category. Mostly just for their size, I would suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, um. Anyway, I would I would highly suggest you go watch some Japanese bug fighting, um, and to pay close attention to the wasps because wasps are actually a problem right now in the United States. The, the killer wasps, right? And seeing how these killer wasps, seeing their attack formation, their uh, their stance, which just could give you an upper hand when you come in close contact with a wasp. You could 
study up, you know, watch the tape, just like back in high school football when you're in the in the weight room watching your watching your tapes, hitting your jewel, you know. Um, so I'm thinking you should probably go check out the Killer Wasp. Yeah, it seems like it's a good thing for us to all be doing is, you know, instead of just watching like pointless videos on YouTube, you could actually use this awesome platform as an opportunity to learn things for a really productive and educational purpose by actively choosing to watch videos of wasps crushing praying mantises to a pole you can study their moves and find out what you need to do so that you don't suffer the same fate as that mantis that's true profound um and so in conclusion of uh, bug fighting I just would like to say I would just like to say that um, go check it out you know you can't go wrong with trying something new worst case scenario you don't like it and you can just leave watching it to the pros that's true and so um, we hope that we've inspired a couple uh, things for you to think about over the week until our next weekly boog episode but just before we part ways I would just like to bring up one final little uh, thing we can talk about. Um, and that is Ultraverse trading cards. Oh. So, could you explain what Ultraverse well, is? I'm quite glad that you brought this up because this is another thing I feel like is greatly underappreciated today. Is that of the Ultraverse trading, trading card universe. We've all heard about Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh! I could go on and on, but really people just kind of, they lump the greats like Pokemon in a category, and then they just leave the rest in this completely forgotten and unimportant category, you know, like baseball trading cards and stuff. Well, you can't excuse all sports trading cards because I'll buy Jones. Well, yes. <laughs> there are exceptions, of course. But but what you're saying is that more non-fictional-based card games get a lot less clout these days for, for kids. They, they're more into the fantasy, the anime. Yeah. yeah. I, it's kind of sad that, you know, real people can't get the kind of fame from trading cards that, you know, cartoons can. And, yeah, so... Um, the Ultraverse trading card system, it, it's, it contains real people, like, uh, Verk. Verk. You ever heard of Verk? I bet you haven't. Go look them up. And this is what kids of this generation are really missing out of. You ever heard of Rimfax? Rimfax is a horse, dude. See, it's all organic, all natural, homegrown, uh, you know, not caged stuff. It's, it's real close to home. It should be... An everyday household item with the Ultraverse trading card universe. So, um, I know we've already kind of given you a lot of things to think about, but if we could give you one piece of advice to do this week before our next episode, in my opinion, that would be go buy yourself a pack of Ultraverse. Absolutely. You'll, you can't go wrong. They're mad cheap and they're mad educational and they're mad awesome. So once again... We'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Weekly Boog. Would you like to say anything? It's been a real honor talking to you guys, and 
I hope that you can enjoy your day with your Ultraverse trading cards. Alright, well, we'll see you next time. Uh, and, as always, boogon, mes amis. <laughs> I might have to trim that part out.